Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Real Estate Collab podcast, made by real estate agents with real estate agents. My name is Amy Hagstrom, and I'll be your guide and host through the show. I hope this podcast encourages and inspires you to build a business and a network that brings you joy and success. Welcome to this episode of Real Estate Collab. Today, my guest is Kim Sion, and she's in the Idaho Falls, Pocatello, Idaho area. Yes. Um, Welcome. Thanks for taking time to be on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your market, and how you got into the business? Yes. So I am actually just approaching my decade in real estate, which seems crazy to me. But um, I've been in it for a little bit. The market that we're in here, we're actually, our market's not too bad. It's been, even though the market's been crazy, um, it's been reasonable. It's not been too scary, I guess. Um, But yeah, out here in Idaho, we're just kind of like farmers, ranchers, um, really kind of conservative people. So it's a really easygoing market and I, I like it. But yeah. And what else did you need? We needed to talk about me a little bit more, right? Yeah. How did you get into the business? Tell me a little bit more about that because I think I have an idea, but yeah, I'd love for you to explain. Yeah. So honestly, I was just a single mom working way too many jobs and I had two little kids and um, I just got fed up with missing soccer games and football games and all the things that were going on with my kids. And so I just decided that you know, there had to be a better way. I went out and I got my license. I was actually working in the evenings for a flipper. He was allowing me to like clean up their, their workspaces. Um, and then eventually he started like letting me lay tile in the houses, which I feel horrible for anyone that bought one of those homes. And I did that. So I'm, I'll apologize in advance, but, um, Yeah, he was a licensed realtor and he kind of just started telling me about, oh, you know, all the money you can make with these transactions. And I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to go get licensed. And he's like, oh, you're going to hate it. And I was like, why would I hate it? And he's like, well, you're just too honest for this industry. (laughs) And so I was like, well, okay. Um, But I went and I did it anyways. And um, yeah, I mean, my only goal was just to maybe quit like my third job or not have to clean up his job sites anymore. That was like my goal. I really didn't have like big expectations getting into real estate. And then once I did, I actually just fell in love with just helping people through the process and like just building these relationships and watching people, you know, raise their families in these homes and get so excited about this transition. And, and so I just started loving the process more than I really cared about the paychecks. And so from there, it just kind of blew up. And I think within like six months of being licensed, I was able to just go full time with real estate because I just threw myself into it. That's great. We're always told to like, try and find your people. I was immediately drawn to you on social media. That's basically how we met. Yeah. Um, We do work for the same company, but I love your story. It's only been 10 years. You were a single mom working. I don't know how many jobs. 10 years later, you have built like this kick-ass team, your husband's licensed, all the things, and you guys are just killing it over there. And I love that. Tell me more about you got married. Um, You're not a single mom anymore. (laughs) 
I am not. Yeah. How did you get your husband into it? And how did you start your team? Okay. So um, I actually met my husband when I was probably about four years into real estate. So I had been pretty well established. I was at Century 21 and uh, my husband was actually my FedEx guy. (laughs) Yeah. And he would come in and anyways, and um, he'd always bring the packages back to my office, but he would never deliver anyone else's packages like personally. And my broker was like, I think he likes you. And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so he, I, we hit it off. We started dating and then, um, he actually delivered for FedEx for an additional two years and my business was still growing and thriving and, you know, getting more established. And then uh, I want to say it was like two years, really, it was about two years. He had to have back surgery from just lifting all the packages and he like, anyways, it was a big thing. And I just thought we are just like way too young to be having back surgery and all of these problems. And, So after he had his surgery, I was like, I think we could just do this. Like, I think if you got licensed, like we could, we could just do it. Like everyone loved Jed, the FedEx guy. Like he was super social. Everyone enjoyed him. And so I was like, I think we should just try it. And at the time it was really scary because going to one income and we had already bought like a couple homes at that point. We had a, a rental property. Um, I was still raising primarily like I was the breadwinner for my two little little kids. And I was like, no, I was like, I think we could do it. We could do it. So um, he did not go back and he got licensed. I want to say just a few months later. And we have just been like power coupling it, I guess, like ever since right. then. But it was actually really uh, beneficial just that he had this market in Pocatello that he was constantly like trying to refer people to me, but they wouldn't use me because they really wanted to just use Jed or, you know, and I had already had a really well-established community that I was working in, in Idaho Falls. So we were actually able to merge these like two regions. And if you know anything about Pocatello and Idaho Falls, they hate each other. <laughs> they, they, it's like the funniest thing. Idaho Falls is convinced they're better than Pocatello. Pocatello is convinced they're better than, and there was like this weird barrier where people wouldn't cross And so, um, it was kind of fun because I felt like we brought a more like cohesive, like we can all live together guys, if you want to move here or there. So we started crossing those boundaries and, and it it was really good. It it was a lucrative market to like start hopping into that I wouldn't have been able to tap in without him. So I think that was a huge part of why things blew up the way they did is he was, he was a huge part of that. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And now you have a little one. Yeah. She She is almost a year. Oh my gosh. Time goes so fast. It does. And I still, we've communicated and I've watched you guys and you still have like thrived having this baby on your hip and you're doing it all. Yeah. It looks like you're doing it all. Yeah. How, how do you balance that? Have you added to your team or are you just really doing it all, Kim? Um, I would love to take credit and say that I'm doing it all, but I am not doing it all. Um, I learned, well, okay. So before I had my baby, I was convinced I needed no help. I was superwoman. I could do all the things. Um, And as I got towards like the tail end of my pregnancy, I was like, I cannot do all the things like at all. It's not, it's not going to happen. It wasn't realistic. So I did bring on a couple of VAs and um, since then 
my goal really with like growth was to just start creating the framework for other people to follow. So I outsource a lot of things. And I know it's kind of funny that most people would actually outsource like cleaning their house or cooking for their family or like doing the laundry, but I kind of outsource the things in business so that I can be here with my family. So I do things a little bit backward than I think a lot of the people I've worked with or that have mentored me to say like, oh, you know, don't do that laundry. Like that's expensive. And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of like, you know, doing these things for my family or I want to stay home and I want to cook for them. Like I don't want to hire a cook or, you know, so I outsource a lot of the operations and then we really focus on just automate, just automate everything as much as humanly possible. So I would probably say I have maybe two to three hours a day that is just like 100% me focused in my business. And then the rest of it is just put on everyone else's plate. And then I spend a lot of time with my family. That's really my bigger focus. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. As women, that's really hard to do. It um, is. But I like that you're focusing on the family side because everything can be outsourced. And oh, yeah. we just have to learn to give those things up because we all want to be superwoman and we just cannot. No, we cannot. So, no. No. So what does your team look like now with a new baby? Yeah. It's different. So um, the team now, so we have just like a small local team that we use for helping with showings and appointments and things like that. Jen and I really do, we're pretty hands-on on the listing side and then we'll take a handful of like referrals. So for us, we're actually really like not, I guess our time is limited that we give to our local. Um, and then of course, it's just you know, coaching and helping agents that are more nationwide, which is great because I can do that from anywhere. I can do that from my car when my kid's sleeping. It's just the convenience of being able to like grow and help and coach people. That really has kind of been more my focus of like, I got into real estate and I loved it, but now I feel like that passion is growing and changing into, I actually kind of just like growing businesses. Like mm -hmm. that is actually my passion. And so having a new baby and having to remove myself a little bit more from the real estate world. And I guess insert myself into another part of the real estate world. I've just realized that my knack, my passion is really about business and growth. Like that's where it's at. So I feel like the evolution of that could be, I mean, I mean, endless, you could take that anywhere. So, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you'll just say, oh, one day I just decided to revamp all of these systems and it's done. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I've been trying to do that for months. Yeah. But you just knock it out. And it's amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's definitely hard. I like, I just this last week, I just decided to like all of our marketing was not matching. It was just like horrible. I was like, our listing packets are like just dated. They need to. And so I took like three, four days and I was like, I just redid the whole thing. And my husband's like, you really did that? And I'm like, yeah, I really did that. But look at how much better it looks. Right. And so, but now it like, now those systems, like it's all there. So like if we send an agent on a listing appointment or to meet with buyers, all those resources are available to them and it just makes them look better. Right. Honestly. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've talked before and your business is, seems to be very listing heavy. Mm -hmm. You guys really like to focus on listings. Yeah. We've talked about how you leverage those listings 
for the consistent business that you guys have. You seem to have a very consistent business. Can you tell us more how you leverage your listings and make your business more consistent so you can? Yes. So it's funny because we work really hard to get the business that we have. And I mean, early on in my career, I don't think I ever, if I got a listing, I was like, oh, sold it, done, on to the next. Like, And I was constantly chasing and chasing and chasing. But really, you should be trying to talk to the people that are in those neighborhoods. And I think I was so afraid of like picking up the phone and talking to them or going and knocking on the door and saying, hey, like, I don't know if you just noticed, but like, I just sold your neighbor's house and it went well over asking, you know, if you're thinking about moving or if you know anybody else, like, is there a neighbor around that maybe you've talked to that? you know, they're thinking about downsizing, whatever. It's all just conversation. And we are so afraid in this industry, which is hilarious to me, is that it is all about maximum exposure. It's how many people you can talk to, but we are terrified to talk to people. And I was, I was that agent at one point. I was like, I just didn't, I just didn't want to do it. I felt salesy, but at the end of the day, like you are just providing a service and you would, everyone is buying or selling at some point in their life. And it's just building those relationships and making those connections. So with every listing, if it sells, so I guess obviously once it hits the market, you know, we do all of our to the market advertising, but once it goes pending, we will go, we'll just start door knocking and saying, Hey, like we obviously won't disclose what it went pending for, but we'll just say, Hey, it was only on the market for a few hours. This neighborhood seems to sell really well. We had a handful of buyers that went through the property. I we're fairly convinced that if you wanted to list your property, you would probably get multiple offers and be in the same situation as our sellers down the street. And they're really, really happy with the offer that they got. Um, so as soon as a, a, a listing goes pending, like you should be hitting the neighborhood. So whether you're door knocking, um, or you can even use like systems like Red X, you can use uh, voicemail drops, um, where you basically just record one voicemail and you just send it out, you buy the e- or the phone numbers for that whole area. And you can just one recording and just drop it into everyone's voicemail and say, Hey, you know, I'm re- realtor with ABC Realty. And, you know, our sellers just went pending and there was still plenty of buyers that missed out on that house. We had multiple offers. Like we would love to see if you'd be interested, like just easy things, letting people know this is what's happening in your community. Like your homes are selling really well, or even when homes are moving slow, it doesn't mean that homes aren't selling well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a misconception is we went from a really fast paced market to a market that homes still weren't selling way under. They just were sitting a little bit longer because our buyer pools got smaller. And so I think educating and letting people know what's going on in the market is also a great way to start building those relationships. And then always ask for email address. If you can put them on a newsletter, some way, shape or form, you want to keep these people like top of mind. Um, And so once a home sells and you've kind of gone through all the systems to follow up with everybody in that neighborhood, you will consistently want to go back, like put them on a calendar. That neighborhood never gets forgotten. You will be that realtor that walks through that neighborhood and drops off flyers or gives market updates or does pop buys, sends out newsletters, whatever it is, that neighborhood, like don't lose that neighborhood. Because I know a lot of agents, they'll farm and then maybe they get like one or two other listings and then they're out. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. there's like 600 people (laughs) in this little area. Like, don't lose those people because you only need, I mean, what the average realtor only closes like 12 deals a year. So if you want to 
you know, just, just keep talking to those people. It's a numbers game. It always is. Right. Yeah. So how, how are those phone calls and door knocks received by the public? Like that's some of the, that's the biggest thing, you know, agents are scared of Yeah. all of that person face-to-face conversation, basically, you know, with people we don't know. How is that received? I'm sure there's a variety, but um, how does that go? Yes. So, okay. You have to just realize that people are busy and when you get, you pick up, you know, someone picks up the phone and you start talking and they just hang up on you. It's okay. Just go to the next. It's okay. Um, I've done that before when someone's talking and I'm like, I don't have time for this. And I don't even want to explain why I don't have time for this. And I will just hang up. Um, you just have to think about it. Like how you would like put yourself in their position and it's like, fine. Like life gets busy. People will be like, okay, yeah, yeah I don't have time for this. And it's okay. Brush it off because I, I think we take everything way too personal and you just have to realize everyone's just engulfed in their own life. And so when you're coming to them and it's really not a good time or you're picking up the phone and they are like in between, like shuffling their kid from after school to soccer practice, like absolutely it's not a good time. So I think when, when you hit the phones have a very real short script, but like rehearse it and be, be okay with what you're saying and be comfortable. Um, if someone says, Hey, like, I don't have time for this. You'd be like, you know what? Not a problem. You know, I'll, I'll just call you tomorrow. Um, with like around eight o'clock or nine o'clock, like you take the initiative and just let them know you will be calling them back. And people are like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. At some point, like people will receive you the way, like you'll, it'll be fine. You'll, you'll mm-hmm. have these conversations. And if someone is truly not interested in having those conversations, you, you really just won't talk to them. It doesn't mean you still can't market to their area or send mailers or door knock, but I guess just don't take it personal because it is scary. We, we're afraid everyone's going to like slam the bow down and curse us out and, you know, never call here again. But people are actually not that mean. It's not that bad. Yeah. And I think if they're really like interested in what's going on in their neighborhood, they're going to talk to you. They want to know, like they always want to know what those houses sold for and what happened. Like it's just an innate thing. They want to know all the stuff. Yes. Yeah. Do you know like how much, how much time out of your day do you spend on lead gen? So honestly, at this point, um, I would say most of my focus time is probably spent on lead generation. So I I know that this is the one thing agents always want to outsource lead gen, uh, but no one is going to care about that lead more than you because you know the dollar amount associated with it. So when you outsource it to a VA that's just going through and they're like, whatever, I'm just punching time to get my paycheck, the investment really isn't there. And then number two, the people aren't really like talking to you. You're not building a relationship at all. So the number one thing that I think people should do is they should put a few hours every day into lead generation. And then you need to outsource all the operations and automate some of the follow-up that goes along with that. But I would say like, yeah, it's probably three to four hours a day that is just committed to whatever the system is or whatever is on the calendar for that day. Like you sit down, you do it. No excuses. You just put in the time, you make the conversation. Um, and I mean, you can lead generate in a lot of ways. You can use social media. You can go to networking events. You can door knock. You can cold call. Like I've learned in this industry that everything works. Everything works. The only reason why it doesn't is because there's no consistency. There's no system. There's 
like agents don't put in the time or they try to find like, like I said, like have the VA make the phone call. Well, that doesn't really work the same way that if you sat down and did it. So shortcuts, shortcuts don't really work. Yeah. Right. So very true. So have you guys found, I know your, your listings are kind of your niche, but do you have, have you niched down in a specific aspect of real estate or area of real estate as a team? Yeah. So, okay. So in order to make more money in real estate, there's a couple of ways that you do it. You go listing heavy as opposed to focusing on the buyers. That gives you more time. You can kind of focus a little bit more like on home life. Um, But the other thing is too, is concentrating on selling higher priced homes. And so when you look down where you're kind of funneling down to, like you want to serve everyone, you really, really do. But if you want to make more money, and I guess in the beginning, I wasn't ever like this. I would just be like, oh yeah, whoever, like, you know, come on over. But now the smaller deals, I typically will outsource or send them, refer them to another agent that maybe has a little bit more time for them. Because I understand that with my lifestyle right now, like I want to serve and help those people, but I'm just not in that season. Like I'm not willing to work you know, past eight o'clock at night. And I really don't want to go out and show homes and miss the soccer games and all the things that are going on. So I'm in a completely different season and I recognize it is better to outsource those deals and those clients that like really need more time. They need a committed agent that's going to really help them um, for what they need. And so I have just focused on the higher priced homes, um, which I think at some point in the evolution of your business, you get to a point where that's kind of just a natural chain reaction. Those past clients, they're always upgrading and getting bigger and bigger, but also our marketing is very directed towards like new construction. Um, So if we are capturing buyers, we are capturing like 600, $700, $800,000 buyers. Um, So those are the people that I cater to, but also because we entered into more of like the new construction world, even with a buyer, it is not as time consuming as if you are selling an existing home, you know, when there's 30 available homes and you have to show every single one of those. I mean, I, I remember doing it and loving it, but I'm just not there. So yeah, I do think it's important that if you're going to start scaling and growing, you have to start one, you've got to get the bigger paychecks. And and if you're going to save your time, that's you got to find those those niches that really, I guess, help facilitate the lifestyle you want to live, you know. So yeah, I we did kind of jump into different markets for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how strategic you are in your business. I've always noticed that like you're strategic in your marketing, you're strate- strategic in, you know, going to that next price level and your boundaries. So I, I envy your boundaries. I've always been bad about that. Too. I know. And we struggle, we struggle, right. but like it, it's it, at some point you'll just, yeah, you just want them, you know? Right. So. Right. And do you get pushback for client from clients that call? They want Kim, but yeah, them off so they can get the proper help. You know, yeah. Do you get a lot of pushback there? You know, not really. So I think the conversation. Um, it's always hard when you've built a business and people want to refer. They think you're amazing. You help them through five different homes, um, and they are your ideal client now. But then they'll refer their little cousin to you that's a first time home buyer. And I'm like, I really want to be invested in this, but like, I just can't. The conversation really just needs to be, you know, I have personally brought on this agent and I have trained them and they're, they're better at this than I ever was. 
they are a master buyer's agent. They can, you know, plan a showing down to the T. Like you can see 20 houses and you'll never be off on time. Like these, they will pick up any call at 10 o'clock at night. And so I think it's when you bring on a team member and you are trying to send a smaller lead to this person that was a personal referral, it's the conversation of just saying, I've, I've trained this person. They will not let you down. They're better at this than I was. Like, right. you know, and obviously I'm available day or night as well. If you approach the situation in that manner and really just kind of help them understand that this person really will better serve them. And there's nothing wrong with if you are busy or you don't have time for it and be like, honestly, you really need a committed agent that's going to have the time to show you all of these homes and walk you through the the pricing, the the financing end of things. And I'm I'm just overloaded on my end right now. I, I really want you to get, you know, better service. And so I'm going to send you over to Melissa because she has all the time in the world right now. She would love to help you out, you know, and, and people do appreciate when you say like, I don't have mm-hmm. time. You deserve better. Let right. me, let me send you somewhere else. So but I feel like a lot of agents don't have that conversation. They just go, oh, okay, yeah, uh, Haley's going to meet you at the house, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And right. so, yeah, it, it doesn't set well. Right. Yeah, we try to have that conversation now as a group, the buyer's agent, and they all know it's crazy out there and they're afraid yeah. they're always going to miss something. So we kind of come from that angle that this is the team helping you. So you don't miss anything. You're going to, you're going to see everything you want to see and you're not going to lose out on anything. So yeah, make that about them. They appreciate that a little bit more. They do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So I like to center the podcast about collaboration around, around collaboration. We've talked many times, compared stories, all of those things. Have you ever had like, what would you say is your best collaborative experience you've ever had? Um, Like team agents, business. You know what? Honestly, I feel like this is kind of a hard question. <laughs> right? And you have opportunities too, but. Yeah. So honestly, when I moved over to eXp, I was really surprised at how everyone just wanted to jump in and like help you with your business. I'm not entirely sure there was like one single experience. I think it's been more of like a collaboration, right? It's like, it's like everything. Um, I've actually never had agents really care if I was successful or not and whether or not they financially benefited or like whatever. I, I was in an office for four years and when my husband had to have back surgery, I couldn't get a single person to show a house for me in that mm-hmm. office. And I, I thought, this is just crazy. Like, I might as well just be working at home by myself because I don't have help. And so when I jumped over, I was just amazed at even like local agents. And now like I, so I, I mentor agents here because um, with through EXP and my mentees, now that they've graduated, even them, like if I am like absolutely desperate. They're like, yeah, like I'll just, what do you need? Like, don't pay me. Like, I'll just be there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So there really was like this community that was established that I think just like blew my mind that that Mm -hmm. could exist or that you could, you know, connect with people in different states. And, you know, someone would say, hey, I saw you were talking about this on social media the other day. I'm really struggling with it. Could I like, 
could we schedule a call? And it's like, I don't know. So the environment in itself, I'm not sure there was like one specific, but like as a whole, it like has been a substantially different industry for me working through this brokerage versus anywhere else. It was insane. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, we always have these like one-off, it could be a one-off problem. struggle like we've even talked about and there's always someone else that has been through it done it and is definitely willing to talk about it and no one's going to take their business away from them or anything you know like I was in the brokerage too where you ask for someone to show a house or ask them a question in a situation they're like what are you going to take from me yeah (laughs) It's it's just yeah it's crazy to me too but I'm one of those collaboration junkies I've I seek people out and ask them questions. I know what they're good at. It's obvious. Yeah. Ask them questions. We can all help each other. But Exactly. I know. I know. It's it's a competitive industry, but I feel like overall it's starting to evolve. Just some brokerages and communities are a little bit ahead of, you know, some of the others. But I hope yeah. we all kind of shift more to a collaborative, you know, help each other out because we're all just trying to get paid. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, so I don't understand, but I don't know. I know. And there's plenty for all of us. It is. Yeah. It's that scarcity versus abundance mindset makes it hard. Exactly. Exactly. So what, where do you think real estate's going for us? Where do you think the future holds for real estate? Yeah. So real estate, it's kind of funky right now. I mean, we've got like a lot of like institutional buyers buying up properties. We still have like I buyers you have, I mean, I feel like a lot of the industry is going to start to become like automated. I think that's just like the natural evolution of what we are doing with everything. Um, It's, you know, how do we just speed it up, make it easy, um, convenience, and sometimes waiting on an agent to show houses or, you know, be a part of that transaction. I feel like it is going to start being minimized a little bit. Um, There's always... I don't feel like realtors will ever go away, but I do think that people need to be mindful of like, you know, if you are in the industry right now, like how are you growing and scaling and leveraging the business that you have to create other securities? And like, we are like, I absolutely love my job. I love what I do. I love helping my clients, but I do think that the industry is going to start shifting. And I think there was even just like recently NAR, there was the lawsuit with the commissions and, you know, now Mm -hmm. the buyer's agents commissions on the table and like, how how are they going to get paid? And I feel like as things shift and change, we always find the solution for the problem, right? We always find the loophole and the workaround. So there's always this like panic in the industry, but I think people need to be aware that things are changing and evolving and to create security in your business. And in order to do that, like, you really have to create some leverage um, and be able to pull yourself out. Everyone needs like an exit strategy. And like, what does that look like? Not saying an exit strategy is the give up on your business and start over. And now we're selling cars, but like there has to be some leverage and you have to start creating other opportunities for your, for your income, you know? Right. And I, there's a lot of agents that panic about the market. And I'm like, it's because you only rely on commissions. That's why you're exactly. panicking. Yeah. And yeah, but once you start using your commissions to create leverage or you get into a structure that helps you generate income in other ways, um, all of a sudden those panic moments and the fear, you know, for us, no matter what the market does, um, we're going to try to navigate it on the real estate end, but we've also established other ways to 
just live comfortably without it. So, yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you have a, a book recommendation? What's your favorite book or what would, what do you highly recommend reading as a real estate agent? Um, okay. So I think one of the first books that I read that really kind of changed my outlook on just like world economy and like we're, we tend to be really like focused on like just what's happening to us right here and now, but not realizing that there's a whole chain of events that happen around the world that affect how the economy runs and where it's going to go. So, um, I really, really loved the Lexus and the olive tree. That one was the first book that I read that really like helped me understand the market crash and the patterns that happened. And through all of this with COVID, it was funny because my husband, I would say, oh, well, this is what's going to happen. And then it would happen. And he's like, you should be putting this stuff online. Like you're going to like you're predicting the future. And I'm like, no, you just kind of you pay attention to the predictors in the market. And if you just follow those patterns, like we always follow patterns. And so but he thought I was like a fortune teller, like being able to say like all this stuff's going to happen. And he's like, oh, my gosh, it happened. And I was like, I know. It's like, it's like, I've been like doing like reading stuff and doing research, but that one was a really big one for me. And then I do think if you're shifting over into like your personal finance or learning how to leverage money within your business or your industry, killing sacred cows was my other one that kind of changed just like how we've always been told to manage money and, you know, throw money into a retirement account and hopefully you don't die before you get to use it. And, mm-hmm. you know, this whole mindset of that you can actually take those dollars, multiply them faster and live your life now. And that was, I literally, I was actually listening to that through Audible and I was driving and I was like, oh my gosh, what have we been doing my like whole life with money? And so that one definitely was a game changer for money and personal finance within our business too. So those are awesome ones. I have not read those, so I'm gonna have to put those on my list. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for today. I appreciate your time. You are like a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for taking the time to come to the podcast. And do you want to share how everyone can find you on website, social media, all the things? Yes. So um, if you are looking for real estate services in Idaho, like Southeastern Idaho, then you can just find us at soldbyscion.com. Me personally, I'm on Instagram probably the most and my handle is Hey Kim Sion. 